You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Legends of Runeterra. This episode is supported by listeners like you. To become a supporter of Legends Cast, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. I am one of your hosts from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Mark, but I go by the lift. And with me tonight is my ever-faithful and legendary co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, doing all right. Doing all right. We are uh, made it through the hump day. It's Wednesday. I guess this will go live on Friday, but, but here, but right now, Friday, in the past, made it through it too. but by Friday, I'll have been like feeling good. I usually listen to this in the morning at work, uh, right after it uh, launches. I always listen to the episodes to see how, uh, how it sounds and come up with ideas and see, you know, kind of critique myself a little bit, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So, uh, when you're, when you're hearing this, it'll be almost the weekend. And like, I bet everybody is ready to go home and do some sick quarantine binging. Am I right? Yeah, that is if you're not like me and doing some sick quarantine binging right now. Oh, <laughs> not even trying to go into that <laughs> office. Just trying to work from home. I'm telling you, man, oh, I spent most of my morning. I'm so thankful that I built this studio in the basement because the studio that I built for podcasting and streaming just became the sickest, most soundproof away from my not kids. Not the, the non-sickest. It's not the sickest. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's the cleanest the, and sterilizes I was, <laughs> I was going to call it the illest, but that would even be worse. <laughs> the dopest. Um, the t- <laughs> It's no, dope is good. Dope is good. That's medicine, right? You yeah, know, that'll this, bring your fever down. This totally bitchin' room, right? And yeah, that, there you that's go. That's not a swear word. That's something I would have said in the '80s if I was listening to <laughs> rock music with a mullet and I had a Trans Am. That's a perfectly legitimate. It's another you, way for saying. Did you cool. have? Have you ever had a mullet and or a Trans Am? I I have not. I have not. You've never had one? No, okay. but there was a hot second where my brother was streaking back his hair, and I tried to convince him to get, like, a one dangly earring and buy a Trans Am, but he wouldn't do it. It would have been so cool, <laughs> though. He really needed to do it. Um, oh, it, Like, listen, I could even – I was trying to convince him to say the word. I can bleep myself out now on this thing. I don't. That know is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can be son of a, and there it is. It's ble- uh, that's you know I've I've never been able to use, use that because generally and, and you don't even you don't even have to curse. You can just leave it up to everyone yeah. else's opinion about what you're saying. Because generally speaking, <laughs> I don't swear just in day to day life, <laughs> but but I have this convenient bleep button on this interface now check out this listen to this banter so um probably more than just dbn and i are quarantined partially quarantined stuck in our house not able to do a lot of fun things so we're getting some time to play some legends of runeterra right now because we can't do much else Mm. well Um, i'm i'm still working unfortunately but i don't get to go to the gym anymore and i don't get to play frisbee anymore so 
all my evenings are now filled with runeterra lots of runeterra <laughs> the online world is going crazy lots of people logging on watching streams playing games passing some time uh so what's your week been like in legends of runeterra uh well uh it all started with an idea an idea a pursuit a pursuit of perfection. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I uh, pulled a couple of those, uh, a couple pursuit of perfections, and I said, you know what? This is pretty dope. Let me see if I can get some of the uh, – I can crowdsource. Crowdsource a couple lists from uh, the people in our Discord. Uh, and boy, did they came, uh, come through. Uh, I believe it was Navilis and, of course, Saucy Mailman, who has an awesome podcast, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. as well as a, uh, a YouTube channel, which with some great content on there. Uh, I got a couple uh, deck lists and I played around uh, <laughs> with the catastrophe uh, as the win condition. And man, that thing is so fun. Like, it's so satisfying. <laughs> I have not explored. I mean, right, like, they they made the meme, right? Like, but I mm -hmm. I do hear that it is a very, there's some memes that aren't worth the effort, right? But I hear this one's a pretty satisfying one. Well, the, the thing is, you probably could, you probably could just, just focus your win condition on Heimerdinger and be more effective. <laughs> but then you wouldn't get the style points of dropping a 30-30 cat in a giant mech suit. You would, not, the board. you would not get you those would, style points. Right. And there was a one game where I dropped two on the same turn. I had two 30-30 cat suits on the field uh, at the same time with Overwhelm. And they bounced one, but then they couldn't stop the other. So, you know, that just goes to show them. Uh, Very <laughs> it's, nice. It's, yeah, it's really cool. It, it was a lot of fun. So I, I played around with that uh, a little bit, uh, I guess, last week and over the weekend. And then... Well, the the patch came out, and we'll we'll talk about that. But like just uh, just today, uh, you know, I had a good amount of time between work and the recording. Uh, I sat down and built a deck from scratch. I didn't look at it. It's probably no, it's not the first deck. I, now the Yasuo deck I built from scratch, although I'd kind of seen other people playing it, and so like I I kind of already had a couple ideas of what to put in it. Sure, I had a bit of a shell. But, uh, Huh? You had a bit of a shell for it, right? Yeah, yeah I had a shell. Yeah, yeah. But um, these mage seekers, uh, these mage seekers, I built a uh, a deck with them. Uh, this is kind of the biggest change from the patch when it comes to like card changes, uh, at least when it comes to like shifting and, and opening up new archetype. And it really did. Like they they work together really well. And uh, I, I'll we can do we probably won't talk about that after we talk about the patch. Yeah, I think it's – I'll say this. It's the only thing that I would say about it at this point was I literally – they were like, we made changes to Mage Seekers, and I literally didn't even know they were a thing. Like, that's – they were bad enough yeah. that I literally was unaware that there was a grouping of cards with the name Mage Seeker that worked together in some capacity. Had no idea. <laughs> Yeah, no, they weren't very good, and and some there's a couple that aren't still are just okay, but but the vast majority of them they work really well as a package together, and and it's one of those things that I feel like what's cool about it is not that I think it'll be super strong or anything, but it's a cool theme deck, and I like themed decks, uh, especially in my digital card games because I kind of like to 
not like you know uh like role play the decks or anything like that but i do like to have those cool themes and play around and try to find the right balance of you know how much of this theme to put in how much you know utility do you need how much tech do you need i I find that an enjoyable pursuit uh and i've always enjoyed that in other games um i i typically prefer synergy to good stuff uh so uh, i really enjoyed messing around with that today and i'm i'm you know we're gonna I figure I'll report on it and how it did and and how, how it does. And um, you guys can kind of hopefully take what crap list I made and refine it. But I think it actually does have some promise uh, against a couple interesting matchups. So so stay tuned for that. Uh, But that's what I did this week is catastrophes uh, and uh, mage seeking catastrophes and mage seeking. Awesome. And we actually did have someone in our discord who posted a mage seekers deck and said it did really well for them too. They thought it was pretty, pretty powerful. So, um, and I think they're like a diamond player right now, actually. Like someone, a couple people in our discord posted their rank at like hitting masters this week. (laughs) Oh, wow. 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 Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Um, Hey, I'll have time for it now. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Team fight tactics season three came out today. Oh, I yeah, I couldn't care less. Yeah, I could care a lot though. <laughs> I, I care a lot. I care a lot. I was higher ranking. You now you've uninstalled that game multiple times. I have, but then I now I'm not now I'm not uninstalling it. Team Fight Tactics, Legends of Runeterra, and Elder Scrolls Online are my my three games. My three games. Oh man, maybe uh, I'll have to get Elder Scrolls uh, Online. It's a great game. I, I might have to do that. Yeah, it's a great game. So uh, for me, my my week in Legends of Runeterra was great. I ranked up, I think, twice. I'm like gold three or gold two or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not had. I mean, with all of the, my life right now is like dead. But up until like a day or so ago, it was just kind of crazy because we never knew what was going to happen. Most of my life got canceled. I was running my own board game conference this weekend with about twenty guys. We just had to cancel that. Um, uh, uh, missions work that I was going to be doing in Uganda this summer canceled. Um, there's so much of my wow. life that was just like, and then all of a sudden it work just canceled everything that is my job. And so, um, I now have some time and I have been messing around with, I talked about it last week that I was going to get into it, the Heimerdinger karma deck. And I'll tell you what, I just haven't been able to pull myself away from it. I log on. I'm like, ah, okay, I'll complete my quest real quick. Um, and then I go and, and go to play a couple of games and i inevitably click on the heimerdinger and uh, and karma deck have just really enjoyed playing it didn't realize how fun heimerdinger is but heimerdinger is a lot of fun a lot of fun um there's been a couple of changes of cards around him that got hit in this patch that we're going to talk about but uh, definitely was really enjoying that deck this week so if you haven't gotten a ch- chance to check out that control deck the heimer karma control deck um definitely worth checking out it it was it's been a a lot of fun to play um and it it plays really well against elusives and i think maybe one of the reasons that i've been so hooked on it was i was playing decks that were so bad against the elusive z deck that i was losing every single game against it and now i win basically every single game against it which is really all that i want <laughs> really all that i wanted to do um so that was that was really really cool um, but we do have a tremendous amount to talk about with this patch. Uh, this might be like, show me the patch episode part two or something. Uh, cause that's what we named the last time we reviewed a patch. Well, we, we're going to have to find another, another fun episode title for it. Yes. You know? You're right. You're right. That's, that's boring. basically some, uh, some quote that substitutes money for patch. Yes. You know, or 
you're in quarantine, you have times on your hand, listen to this episode. That might be the title. Mm, yeah. Um, but before we jump into exactly what happened in the patch, because we got a lot of card updates, I do want to take a moment to do a little hat update. So we did get some stuff in for the hats, and the hats look great. Um, I'll be honest with you, the chances of us having them in hand by the end of the month are now very slim. Um, so we got, we got to figure out exactly how we're going to get these hats in hand. Um, but the winner of our March giveaway will get one, but it may just not happen like right at the end of March. It may take a couple, like a little bit longer for us to actually get the hats here just because of everything that's going on in our world right now. But we did have someone who left us a review on iTunes, a five-star review and rating. Oh, oh five oh, stars? Oh, 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 oh. That's the noises you get when you get a five-star rating. You're not gonna um, you're not gonna put one of those uh segment intros uh, uh, in front little, of our review. Little Yeah, uh you like those? Be honest. Oh yeah, so we need one for reviews, you know, or like or like uh letters somebody you guys you guys should write us messages do we have an email that they can send us you know messages that we can yes. read on the podcast yes do we have one of those yes legendscast at gmail.com yeah send yes. us a letter with, with stuff talk to send send us a an email you know and if it's not you know rude we'll we'll read it off mm -hmm. or something you and know? if it's rude enough maybe we'll still read it because it would be yeah fun. then it'll mm -hmm. be fun so, okay, here, I'll, I'll pause for the... And I thought I was already perfect. Okay, there we go. So now, right then, there was the, the, the intro. Um, oh, we inserted it, perfect. Yeah, we inserted it Good right job. there. Good job, post-production. Uh-huh, nice job, post-production team. So they said, Morning Commute, uh, that's the title for the review, and it's a reviewed by I Just Want to Leave a Review is the name of the reviewer. And hey. they, they said, listen to these guys going to work is always a good way to start my morning. They also helped me find other card games when Tesla went into maintenance mode, and now I'm playing Runeterra. Um, that's awesome. I mean, heck, that's what several of our episodes were about, was about helping people move from the Tesla community over. So thank you so much. I just want to leave a review for leaving us a review. We really appreciate what it. What a guy. What a guy. What a gal. Yeah, we, what a person. What, what a, a human. What a great human being you are a for, human. for listening to us on your commute. We really appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Woo. you for leaving that review. Now let's go ahead and talk about this patch. Okay. So did, this, wait, did we have a thing there? We just had... We had another one. Did you another pick out another one. voice line? Another voice line just wow, swooped okay. in there. And it's probably going to be Hecarim's voice line because that's what we're going to talk about first. Um, okay. How yeah. do you, how do you want to take these? Do you want to just alternate back and forth? This is the things you talk about pre-show that we talk about during show. So do, yeah. you, do you want Hecarim or do you want Callista? I don't want Hecarim. You, okay. you play so much more Hecarim than I play. I play a lot of Hecarim. So we got a change to Hecarim and it's actually – it's not a complete rework like we're going to see with some of these other cards, but it is a pretty significant change. So Hecarim previously was a six mana four six with Overwhelm that summoned two attacking Spectral Raiders whenever he attacked. Those Spectral Raiders were three two ephemeral creatures and his level up red once you've attacked with eight ephemeral allies, um, he leveled up. 
Well, now he is a six mana four five instead of a six mana uh, four six. So he went down one health. And um, before you attacked with eight ephemeral units, now you have to attack with seven ephemeral units. So slight buff in his level up, but a slight decrease in his health, which is significant. When he's leveled up, what it used to be was a six mana force or five seven um, that would give all ephemeral allies plus two plus zero and with some of those riders. Now we're looking at a five six that gives his ephemeral allies a plus three plus zero. So um, once again, we lost a health and we buffed his leveled up ability, which is going to make his ephemeral riders one more attack or all ephemeral creatures one more bonus to attack. With that, we got two more changes to the way he works, and that is his Onslaught of Shadows, the card that you would have in your hand if you had two Hecarims or if you just placed it in your deck, which isn't very common. It used to summon uh, two Spectral Riders um, for three mana. It now is two mana, so that card got a little bit better if you have a Hecarim in your hand on the board and you draw another one. But all the Spectral Riders also got changed, and they used to be three twos with Ephemeral, they're now two twos with ephemeral, which basically means their leveled up versions would have the same exact attack as the old leveled up version of Ekram, but their pre-leveled up versions before uh, before uh, Ekram is leveled up would have one less attack. They're going to be two twos instead of three twos. That's a tremendous amount of little switches. Basically, every aspect of him got tweaked just a tad and basically what they said was that Hecarim was too powerful a card in basically every single deck if you were running shadow house you threw Hecarim in there because you never needed him to level up you mostly won games before he did just the insane amount of pressure that he put out between him and another card we're going to talk about today rekindler um, made him just really really strong they tried to lower his just base power level but make him much stronger in decks that are heavy ephemeral focused so decks that aren't just running all the shadow isles toolkit then hecarim just to overwhelm their opponent now hecarim will have a much harder time doing that but will be an absolute blowout in a lot of ephemeral decks if you can use him correctly so whew, deep breath Ooh, that's a good. lot of, that's a lot of changes that's a lot of changes i'm glad you did that yeah it's a lot of changes <laughs> um and i'll tell you my initial opinion i don't know i can't tell i have played against him a little bit i have not got to drop a drop a hecarim on board since the since the patch came out i wish that i would have but i haven't had that opportunity um i i like most of the changes they made to him the, it's like crazy right because they they probably nerfed him more than they buffed him but i like that they're doing sort of this balancing between nerfing and buffing different aspects of him because they're not just saying this card too powerful me hit it with hammer they're saying <laughs> hey this card is supposed to do something specific and we want to tweak it so it does that specific thing a little bit more and doesn't just have a net power level that's so high so that you have to build with him a little bit. And I think, honestly, they've done a great job of that with a lot of cards that are just better if you build with them a little bit, with the exception of Hecarim, who was just net, just so strong, you just put him in your deck um, if you were yeah. playing Shadow Isles. So I do think that this 
I don't know if this completely solves the problem, but it definitely pushes Hecarim in, in my opinion, in the correct direction. So I'm all about it. I think it's a great change. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't necessarily think it's uh, good enough. Like, the, uh, sorry, uh, the it's like nerfed enough to completely disappear from just being a good stuff champion to include if you don't have other champions that you would prefer synergistically i agree with that um the bottom line is uh, w if you summon him on a turn where he's going to attack uh you are still getting eight nine stats for six uh mm -hmm. six mana and the other thing I guess I would I'm kind of wondering is the the minus one health is relevant for sure, uh, but how many cards out there deal five damage? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like a lot of times we look at champs and we look at you know followers and we say okay you know this got moved down from a four health to a three health that's super relevant, right? Um, but. Um, but here, you going from six to five definitely means when he's trading with with creatures, uh, we're gonna see him dying a lot more, which is yeah. good. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, the other side of that is is that like when it comes to removal points, um, we're not really seeing a a big change, at least none that I can think of, when it comes to like uh, spells that can kill him off, right? I mean, there wasn't really spells that could kill him off at six that now. Uh, or sorry, there's not really any spells yeah. that I can think of that can kill him off now that couldn't before. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I think the biggest difference here in his health tweak is the trading capability, right? Because you have mm -hmm. uh, Hearthguard or whatever, which is a 5-5. Five, five. You have Ash, which is a 5-4. You have the 5-1 with Provoke. Um, you, mm -hmm. you have a lot of You do things. have more 5 attack uh, creatures out there. Uh, then you do six attack creatures yeah. and a so lot that's, of things, that's a great point a lot of things with that have first strike that can be more easily buffed to five attack than they can to six attack so you think of like mm -hmm. uh, a lot of things maybe like draven um or lucian um or i'm trying to think or zed um and they can all be buffed to five attack with say the brother's bond i think that's the card right that gives two creatures plus two attack um, yeah. and they could boost a five where as before six was a little bit harder to reach. So I think there's some mm -hmm. combat tricks that are a little bit easier to pull off against the five health creature. And there's just some cards that trade into him way, way better than they did before. Cause a lot of times if you could attack with Hecarim once and drop him to a four, one, who cares if he got blocked, you summon two, three twos. And then if you could attack with him again, who cares if he dies, you summon two more three twos. Right. Um, right. I think the biggest axe to this card doesn't actually come into Hecarim himself. It's these Spectral Riders being 2-2s two instead of 3-2s. Three yeah, they're, they're definitely not as big of a threat to other creatures. Like, mm -hmm. their trading potential goes down. So, you know, that means that when you get that Hecarim down the field and you're overwhelming them with numbers, which is the scary thing about Hecarim, wow, I don't have enough blockers to block all these things, and by the time it gets to that point of the game, you're oftentimes really concerned about conserving as many points of health as possible. But the thing is, um, with they have only two attack, what they're not doing is getting value trades up into previously injured creatures of the opponents that they're now forced to block with, at least not as often, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that's definitely a nerf, but I, I don't know if it's a big enough one because the thing is, like, B 
being forced to block an ephemeral creature is really good for the attacker. Uh, yes. You know, if your opponent's if your opponent's blocking a spectral rider, it doesn't matter if you're getting the trade. You're really happy. Um, and so, like, I don't know. And plus, when he gets uh, his level up, you know, obviously ephemeral decks are, are still going to play him 100%. Um, I will say one thing that I'm trying to think through is this Onslaught of Shadows. You know, I, I never played this card. I don't think many people do play Onslaught of Shadows. But it dropping down to two is certainly enticing. And the reason why is at three, it's competing with a lot of stuff. And it doesn't come online as quickly. Um, but, you know, having... 4-4 four, four stats for 2 uh, is different than having... Um, what would it be? 6-4 stats. 6-4 six, six, stats for 3, right? Especially considering if you are using it as a either a removal tool uh, or basically... And I by removal tool, I want to be clear. Like, what you can do with Onslaught of Shadows on 2 is if your opponent plays a... That... What is it? Relentless something the 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 three two um noxus guy vanguard something yeah you know what i'm talking about mm -mm. i believe you're not you. okay oh, oh, oh yeah yes. the, okay yeah the three the, two the camp block the three two the camp block the one man at three two the camp block gotcha mm -hmm. exactly if they if they've played that they want to be pushing your face and you play onslaught of shadows you drop two two twos you can defend whatever their one drop play was and their two drop uh pretty heavily and yeah or or they don't attack you, and yeah, your spectral riders fizzle at the end of the time at the end of the turn because of um, ephemeral. But the but the bottom line is you're you're still happy because you deferred damage, right? You saved mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah, you might have uh, saved life. yourself three, six more or more points of damage there. I exactly right, and so when it comes to its utility, I think it's a lot more enticing at the two mana price point than at the three. Um, that said, I, I still don't think it's a great card because it's not presenting any lasting value. But, you know, if there's a world in which you're trying to get Hecarim leveled up as humanly fast as possible and you've got those shark chariots out, well, this is more affordable. Um, and because you don't really care what the health of the spectral riders are, or excuse me, the attack of the spectral riders are in many cases, because your opponent will usually let them through or chump block with something that's going to die anyways, um, the spectral riders being able to come out cheaper. Uh, and earlier does kind of mean you'll get Hecarim leveled up faster. So maybe the base Onslaught of Shadows is slightly more enticing now, which is the thing I was, I'm trying to figure it out. And that's not something that I think I'll have a clear answer to, but that's just my gut telling me that maybe it's not ready to see play yet, but I do think it's more enticing now than it was before. Yeah. And if you're a Hecarim lover, reading this thing is like an emotional roller coaster, right? It's like, oh, they lowered his health. Ooh, he levels up faster. Oh, his health is still lower. Oh, they made his level up more powerful. Ooh, they made Hecarim's Onslaught of Shadows cheaper. Oh, they made Spectral Riders worse. It's like up and down and up and down because they changed a lot with this card. And I. I like their reasoning and the fact that they, I like that they really explained it well. They're like, hey, we didn't just tweak a bunch of things. Like there's an intentional direction that we want to push Hecarim in, which is a ephemeral heavy themed deck. That's where mm -hmm. we want him to be in his most powerful sweet spot, not just his most powerful in any deck. And uh, it, and so I, I like that they explained that. And I think I, I, I don't disagree. I think he's still going to be a strong card in most Shadow Isles decks. And I think you can run him without 
having a lot of ephemeral affinity in your deck. But there's no doubt that he won't be as oppressive now in that same exact context as he was before the patch, right? He'll just be a little less oppressive if you're not running a bunch of ephemeral stuff, which I enjoy. I like that. I think that they I think that they did an excellent job here. Time will tell if it's enough, but I think that they did a, a good job with this batch of changes. Yeah. In my yeah, opinion. agreed. So do you want to go over the next one because this champion didn't just get changed? I mean, it's like it's a, a rework. rework. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's good. Callista. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited because I do have a copy of Callista that I haven't touched, uh, so that's cool. Uh, we'll be able to do that now. So Callista, as everybody I'm sure knows, uh, was the least played champion by far. Um, its old version was particularly complicated and difficult to implement in a really cool way um so basically the flavor of it as in something that wants to um bond with allies and defer damage and boost things uh still persists uh but it is completely reworked in order to fit clearer into the shadow isles package and i think it achieves that now i've seen some uh discussion around Callista, and i in fact uh, saw charmer kind of give his thoughts on after playing with it for a while in a deck built around it his thoughts were it may not be uh it's really cool and it's neat when it goes off but it may actually not be particularly powerful compared to the power level of shadow isles in general and so perhaps it, Callista might be better as a different card. I, my gut, to, you know, I didn't play it, so who am I to judge Charmer on this? But my gut tells me that that is uh, maybe not the case uh, because I'm looking at this card and I'm thinking it's going to be pretty good in decks built around it. Now I've done all this build up. Here's what it does: uh, Callista, her health has increased by one. It's still at three cost, so that means she is a three mana four three with fearsome. Um, and the previous text, when it comes into play, it would bond with an ally, uh, and grant it, uh, plus two while bonded, um, and then would level up whenever three plus allies died. Now, um, all it really says is it levels up when there are four allies, uh, have died, uh, when she's seen four allies die. So yeah. that means while Callista's on the board, four allies of yours have to die before she leaves the play uh, so that you can get it leveled up. But the level up is particularly interesting because Very. Um, the old text did some weird... It bonds with something, but then when that thing dies and Callista attacks, it revives that dead thing and puts the bond back on it. And it was just, I mean, the situation almost never occurred, right? Uh, but this new text is, is great. Um, the health goes up to four, by the way. So it's a three mana five, four at level two. The new text says, the first time I attack each round, revive an attacking ephemeral copy of the strongest dead allied follower. That's pretty crazy. This round, we are bonded, and it takes damage for me. That's really cool. Very what I cool. love about this is that Callista is basically blending um, that kind of uh, reviving package uh, and, and the kind of the self-killing stuff with like the trickster uh, and stuff like that but it also protects itself naturally. So when it's, you know, their attack token, 
you know, Callista is going to be very difficult to actually remove, kind of making that level up somewhat of a win condition in of itself. And of course, but at the same time, it incentivizes you to not just play a bunch of weenies that are easy to kill, but get some big things in there too to bring back. Uh, so it's a really interesting dynamic and, and one that I think is easier to achieve and more importantly, easier to envision different situations where Callista is going to be not just impactful, but a game winning card. Uh, so I, I'm, I think this is a great change. It also should be noted that Black Spear, which was Callista's champion card as well, uh, Black Spear did get a nerf, uh, which is an increase of its cost from two to three. That is something I am overjoyed to see. Yeah, that might be the biggest and best balance that they did in this patch. Call me, uh, listen, call me a whiner, but I just don't like Black Spear. I just didn't like Black Spear before, and now I know that I'm going to be happier with it. It just was very cost efficient for too small of a price. And we talked about this before mm -hmm. the first round of patches. Uh, was This was one of the cards I had sort of pinpointed as a particularly frustrating one, and I'm glad to see I wasn't too far off. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think it going up to three makes this card much more balanced, falls a lot more in line with things like Get Excited, uh, and I'm just I'm much happier to see this here at this three mana price point because I think it's still very strong and I think it will still totally be played. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Black Spear is still a playable card. So here's an interesting interaction with Callista. The, one of the last cards we're going to talk about today is um, Rekindler, which summons mm -hmm. when summoned summons a, a uh, uh, an attack. I can't remember. He summons he summons a. Uh, uh, your your highest cost champion in your graveyard whenever whenever yeah. you summon him, but they bumped up his cost to seven. So here's a really interesting interaction. If you have played a Hecarim and then you rekindled it and then your Rekindler dies and you level up your Callista, when you attack with Callista, she will summon Rekindler attacking, bonded to her, and the Rekindler will summon Hecarim also attacking <laughs> and i believe summon two and summon the two uh horses now i'm not i'm not i'm like 95 percent sure that's how that interaction works it a rekindler could be summoned attacking and ephemeral and actually what happens is that hecarim gets summoned and just put on your board he might not be attacking and summon everything yeah with him. i i think that i I'm not sure about this, but I think I remember an interaction where something was revived while a combat was going on, and it wasn't revived into the fight. If I, I think it gets yeah. when by default they get revived onto the bench. Um, so, well, you can science that. You can science that out for us and let us know exactly how that interaction. Yeah, let works. us know. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting that you can run the Rekindler Hecarim deck with Callista. If you get Callista leveled up, you can go get your Rekindler and your Rekindler because it's a summon effect and. Callista summoning it can also summon your Hecarim back, which I think is a really fun, powerful yeah. interaction. And because you're summoning in that in that because you're summoning an ephemeral as well, mm -hmm. it works on leveling up your um uh, your Hecarim, and it will also summon all the shark chariots out of your graveyard. So you can go <laughs> Callista pull uh, your Rekindler. Rekindler throws your Hecarim on the board. Your your Rekindler, because it's ephemeral, summons a couple of shark chariots back. 
there's some really cool stuff that you can do there and there's probably some other creative stuff as actually watching saucy mailman play to to what he to his credit what he said was not a good deck but he was playing a poro in Callista deck and it was really funny trying to summon back the that giant ball of poros um with Callista. Yeah, the floof uh, the, yeah that was that was really really funny to watch him try to pull that off uh, but there's definitely some creative stuff that you can do with this Callista. and the fact that whenever she summons the strongest thing that it takes damage for her is very cool yeah i think that's super well I, cool. I think that i think that damage uh redirect is very very cool because it's like the only thing that does that and that in and mm -hmm. of itself makes this a particularly interesting new dynamic i love this rework that they've done here on Callista. i i think i was impressed like you finished talking about the hecarim changes i was impressed with the thoughtfulness that went into it whether it's good enough or not i don't care because i like that they're not just ban hammering it you know yeah um, which or they tends didn't to happen like... with nerfs that things get nerfed into unplayability and it seems like um we're seeing the runeterra balance team be very careful they don't seem to want that to be a thing they want everything to be playable in some way shape or form and that will never be perfect but i think that the fact that they're taking conscious efforts uh to do that and also when they're doing this rework to come up with something interesting uh, in, you know instead of kind of forcing the old thing to work I, I really like that adaptability i think a lot of times we'll see dev teams be a little bit stubborn well i made it this way so we're just going to leave it this way because that would be like admitting i'm wrong and it's nice to see you know both the the levity you know in the way they describe how things are going uh but also kind of see the humility of saying okay this well this isn't really working and, and you know we want it to be cool we want it to live up to you know the material that that riot has produced over the years and we're going to do everything we can to do it and sometimes we're not going to hit it out of the park and it's okay we can go back to the drawing board and i like seeing that approach yeah yeah i like what they're doing here i love that it's not just we gave them plus two plus two I mean, they've done that yeah. with some cards, like, and that's fine with followers, but when it comes to champions, I love that they're like, nope, we really want to drill down on this. We want to make sure this is doing what we want it to be doing. We want to make sure this is really strong in in the deck that it's supposed to be in, um, and we want to see that you can be creative with it, and we want every champion to feel a little bit unique, like it's kind of doing some of its yeah. own thing, and I think that they did that in spades here, um, and even if Callista isn't great, I want to get her just so I can experiment with her because I think she's cool. <laughs> and, and yeah, I totally agree. Her graphic stuff is awesome. As your allies die, she gets these spectral spears through her card until she stacks <laughs> four of them, and then she levels up, which is super cool too. So yeah. our next set of changes are all coming to followers and spells. This first one, and let me tell you, it's a doozy. The Vanguard Lookout, the two-mana 1-4 is still a two mana one four and now it has the elite tag he got promoted there you go he's now an elite yeah uh, i think that's a very no i think this is a great change <clears throat> sure. i do i think the strength of, of a two mana one four goes overlooked a lot of times especially in decks that can buff like elites sure i think this is actually i mean i don't want to say it's concerning but a two mana one four, if it starts getting buffs on it, can really snowball an early board state. And we kind of talked about elites before, and I haven't played elites yet, so I only have a very limited perspective of being on the other side of the game board. But that board snowballs if you can't control it early. Mm -hmm. um, 
and when a two mana one four can start receiving some of those elite buffs, uh, especially later in the game, once you get those battle armor smiths or whatever those stupid things are, you know, I think this card becomes starts looking a lot more viable. And and uh, yeah, when without elite, it just was kind of bad. Um, but but giving it that tribal tag can sometimes make all world difference if it's got good stats. Sure, in and the it's deck got good that it's stats. supposed to be in. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna. There's so many one health, one drops in the game. Mm -hmm. There's a ton, you know. Uh, and so with all those one health, one drops, Vanguard Lookout can chew them up and then stick around for buffs later on, um, or just as a defensive tool, uh, absorb some damage. Yeah, I, I like this uh, change. It's simple, um, but it's supporting synergy, which, as I mentioned earlier, is something that I think is a hallmark uh, of a good card game when synergy uh, tends to be at least on par uh, with good stuff, um, if not ideally a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's great. I think that if you didn't play Vanguard Lookout before and you didn't play Elites before, you're not going to play Vanguard Lookout now because this, yeah, no, this no, no, card no, now just finds gonna... a home in the Elite decks. Yeah, and that's good. That's fine. You know, mm -hmm. I, there's, a, there's a place for very flexible cards you know, uh, like purify and stuff like that to be able to be versatile no matter what the, the, you know, focus of the deck is. But I think especially for followers, we like to see where they are envisioned with a certain synergy in mind. And I, at least I like to see that. I don't love seeing followers that are just straight up bonkers, you know, no matter what deck you play them in. And mm -hmm. there are a few cards like that. You know, I mean, we, we've seen some already with some of the elusive stuff, but also like Omen Hawk. Open Hawk's just good overall, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and so, like, not saying Open Hawk's broken or overpowered. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying it's it's a, it's a got a great argument to go in pretty much Everything. any iteration of a uh, aggressive or mid-range failure deck, no matter what you're pairing it with, you know? Yeah, I mean, we had the same comments about Rasha before. Yeah, you know, yeah, Ra yeah, yeah. Rasha was like it was considered mm -hmm. like the the follower that was actually a champion, right? And better than most of the other yeah. champions in the game. And well, we, no, I, I don't actually, think they want that to be the case. I actually have a question: Is Rasa a champion in League of Legends? No. Oh, aren't there some epics that are champions as well? There, there's one that I'm aware of, oh. and that is the counterpart to Lucian, uh, Cena. Oh. Cena is a champion, which is a weird, uh, which is weird. But I think that's it. Um, and she even. But, yeah. She, she even plays like a champion in this game because she has her own level up ability, but they just don't call it that. Okay. It's a well, very I don't have, thing. I don't have Lucian in the first place, so okay, uh, okay, haven't played that yet. So, so let's let's move on. Well, here's the thing: the next three are Mage Seekers, and we're going to talk about the Mage Seeker deck that you played. So why don't we skip the three Mage Seekers, jump down oh, to call. Crowd Favorite, and then we'll come back to Mage Seekers, and then go directly into that deck uh yeah so we'll do we'll do mage seekers last mage seekers last yes got it got it got it yeah crowd favorite wait, you well, wait I, I just did the last one so crowd favorite four <laughs> mana uh formerly a two uh two two at four mana with overwhelm now a four mana two one uh with overwhelm uh for anyone unfamiliar uh when i'm summoned grant me plus one plus one for each other ally you have yeah um so here's what I want to read what they said. Crowd favorite has quietly been an overperformer for Noxus aggro decks. Overwhelm combined with 
large base stats, especially health, can be hard to interact with, and crowd favorite often matches the value of champions in specific aggro decks, mm. reducing the big guy's health by one to allow some more counterplay when he's played on curve, while still leaving him as a powerful option for hyper unit aggro or swarm decks. I don't have much more to add. The thing about crowd favorite is, in an aggro deck, if you can get him down as a four mana four four, uh, previously, if you could get him down as a four mana four four, he was still great because he has overwhelm, and mm -hmm. overwhelm in aggro is really really good. Uh, so making it so that if you have uh, that he's a four mana four three, if you can only get two guys on board before he comes down, uh, that certainly makes him a lot less appealing, uh, simply because he dies easier. And that's what they're trying to say. They're not trying to take away his aggressive power, which is still, you know, equally as present mm -hmm. because of the overwhelm. They're just trying to make it so that uh, if he, you know, if he, if you have four creatures on the board, he's going to be still amazing. He's he's still amazing. Yep. But if you only have those two creatures on board, his his low his low ball potential is a lot smaller now. Um, and so like now he's got a little bit more of a downside, as I think the idea here, and and I'm cool with that. And I don't really have much much more judgment on that i think it's fine i mean they, they even said it's quietly been an overperformer so i don't think that was mm -hmm. really something on too many people's radar but i can certainly I, i've been blown out by crowd favorite before and i never felt bad about it because i was the one who let that board get out of control in the first place yeah i <laughs> you know i've not had a problem with crowd favorite but i do think that they're what they're saying here is like listen this thing has quietly performed as well as champions and we mm -hmm. don't want it to, we want champions to outperform followers, which is what we just had a conversation about. So, um, that's good. I, I don't, I don't have any problem with the change that they made to him either. Mm -mm. Um, I don't think it makes Nox's aggro deck significantly less powerful. Um, mm -hmm. but I, but I've definitely been blown out by that card before. So Iceborne Legacy, this card got pretty much a rework as well. So before, this was a three-mana burst spell that gave an allied unit and all copies of that unit everywhere plus one, plus one. So you throw it down on something on the board for three mana, it gives it plus one, plus one, and then the ones in your hand or deck also get that bonus. This is now a five-mana spell that gives it and all allied copies everywhere plus two, plus two, but it also moved to slow instead of being burst. So it's strange. Um, what they said was Iceborne Legacy hasn't seen much play, which is true. I've only ever played it in, in uh, the exhibition or the, the arena or whatever. Um, with the payoff clearly not providing enough deck building inspiration, we're hoping uh, a doubled effect and a higher investment offers more appealing prospect. I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to offer a much more of an appealing prospect for me. Um, sure, it's there. I didn't want to play it before this. I don't mm. want to play it after this. I don't know. Look, I'm not going to run out and build a, a deck with Iceborne Legacy. Me, Ian. Right? Because deck buffing has never been particularly interesting to me. Um, I don't I don't love that. I don't even really like hand buffing. That's just not super interesting for me personally. I understand its its interest in digital card games. I understand its interest uh, in Runeterra. It's just not my thing. However, um, the 
upside of this card has been immeasurably increased for just two more mana right Mm -hmm. uh you are doubling its impact which i know sounds like it's a it's a delayed value thing right uh but like praetorian commander from uh elder scrolls legends was originally gave everything plus two plus two right so everything in your deck so broken when it got nerfed to gives everything plus one plus one how good was it half as good half as good right uh and frankly it got seen i don't know like sig- like i i can't like it's it, it, it must have very declined in play matters. yeah it got it it came back a little bit near the end of elder scrolls legends life but i mean we're talking about like a drastic drastic reduction in play and what we're seeing here is the opposite right we're seeing a card which is almost never played get its power doubled its effect is getting doubled and yeah the price goes up but keep in mind too like spells are tricky they're not as because they're not ever as right they're never not ever as expensive as they look like look on the surface i mean this card can feasibly be played on turn three sure this can also be yeah this card can also be played you know in a turn where you banked three spell mana the previous turn where you didn't have an obvious play and now you can tempo this out with something else um i guess all i'm saying is we let's not write this off because there are cards that shuffle copies of things into decks there are cards that put uh what are the yetis you know in decks and uh those yetis are already a huge pain when they seem to get drawn the next card similarly to a galen buff uh <laughs> but uh looking at you elder scrolls legends yeah uh but the thing is like deck buffing and stuff like that can al- always runs the risk of being better than every other late game strategy uh if it gets out of hand yeah, just simply be because at a certain point stats do matter especially when removal is sparse and overall board clears only really exist in one faction uh so yeah so what they did they boosted the power level of this thing made it cost a little bit more and then removed some of its utility right you can't burst it out anymore so it's yeah that was the, that part was a little bit yeah, but that part wasn't really that good anyways. Like, no. you know, you know, how often are you ever going to have more than w- like one copy of a car- of the same card out? Rare. It's it's very rare. Um sometimes with like uh, ephemeral things, maybe some shark chariots, but at that point they're all going away at the end of the turn anyways. So, yeah, I think that it going to sl- like this is a different card now. This is a yes. win condition facilitating card as opposed to a let's push some damage with shark chariots maybe, but there's a better way to do this. Sure. This it, is now a win condition. Yeah, it, it, it could enable some combos down the line that we're not seeing in this set of cards too. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like it, That's why it's a little bit scary. Sure. It's any, and you know, it really, not even, not even combos, just it can enable strategies. Mm-hmm. Like it, this is a this is a this is a card that, and I'm not saying it's good. 
I, I don't make those claims, but I'm saying it has the potential. Effects like this have the potential, uh, you know, to establish some very, very strong late game things, especially, especially considering like we're seeing a, a lot. It's it's we're seeing decks be able to control a lot easier and with a little bit more consistent uh, consistency right now in the game than we were seeing early on. And I think that comes from both a uh, strengthening of experience within the community and a better understanding of how to play around certain things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so control is getting a little bit stronger and this is a theoretically a late game win condition now. So, you know, mm, I like, I liked where they went with it and I'm excited to see if somebody comes up with a cool way to play it. Yep. You want to take us through uh, the next card, Savage Roar? Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. I got that. Well, yeah, well done, well done. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> it's not Savage Roar. Sorry, Hearthstone fans. Uh, no, we have Pack Mentality. Um, this is just a straight buff. Ta- okay, technically it's not, but it is. Um, so the old text. It's a seven mana slow spell in Freljord. Give an ally and other allies of its group. Uh, which is basically its tribal tag. So like elites and um, I don't know, yetis. Yeah, right? sure. Not many. Poros. Mm-hmm. Poros. Uh, give an ally and other allies of its group plus three, plus three, and overwhelm this round. Which is very strong. Its new text says give allies plus two, plus two, and overwhelm this round. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's basically uh, for Demacia. With overwhelm. Uh, with overwhelm for one more mana mm-hmm. which is probably worth it yeah the overwhelm part's pretty worth it yeah. uh so obviously the problem was before uh is a little too hard to use it, it with the tribal re- restriction mm-hmm. um and so obviously it's slight if there was a tribal deck that wanted to use this it is slightly less effective but it can now be used in other go-wide strategies um, without them having to all be the same thing. So now you can blend spiders, you know, and um, I don't know, poros if you want, and they'll all get the benefit of pack mentality without having to somehow make a horrific poro spider hybrid abomination. (laughs) Which everyone should make. Um, I, I, I I like this. This is one of the cards that I saw that I actually have wanted to experiment with now. But here's the reason. At around turn 7, a lot of times the problem is for failure decks that I was playing, like my Ash deck, is that I have these big bodies on the board. I have 5-5s. Five I have 6-6s. Six I have all these big bodies. I've been buffing my deck. But now I'm just getting chump blocked by spiders, and I can't finish the game. And this is a way for me in failure to say, okay... You have a bunch of chump blockers. I'm going to take this board of five attack minions and make them seven attack minions and then make them all smash through to your face. Um, I would not run several copies of this, but I would run a or maybe two. Yeah, I I totally see this as a one card, one copy card, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like how in um, in Hearthstone, you, you would run like one bloodlust in almost every shaman deck yeah mm-hmm. you know just in case um yeah just in case and it's sometimes it, i can't count how many 
uh, shaman was probably my next most played class after hunter in hearthstone uh so and i can't count how many times you know bloodlust the one copy of bloodlust just wins you the game i put one copy in every shaman deck almost no matter what it was yeah Um, and this that's kind of this kind of fits that mold a little bit uh now uh i will say let me ask this question in the games where you have all those big bodies those five fives whatever Mm -hmm. playing ash uh and you're running into those spiders uh, who are chump blocking you in the late game. How often do you actually lose there as opposed to it taking four extra rounds oh. and you eventually closing the game based on value trading anyways? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, okay, probably pretty rare. So maybe the situation that this is better in is whenever I'm facing off against an elusive deck and mm. we're racing, and this can give me the damage to win the game. Because I have a board full of stuff, but can't kill him quickly enough. And yeah. and he and I cannot block his stuff, right? And this is saying either I win the game, or you start blocking my stuff right now. Well, and even if they block, they're taking damage. Yeah, now, taking- I will say, I do see two flaws with this card. Okay. Uh, first flaw, it's slow. So that you're going to play that, if because if you're planning to attack... And use this to close the game. You're playing this before you attack, obviously. Yep. Right? The problem with that is um, now, A, they can cancel it if they are playing... Um, deny. Deny. Uh, which people don't seem to be playing as much, which I don't get. I still think deny is really strong, but maybe I'm just... I don't know. <laughs> I still play, I still play at least two denies in every Ionia deck. Um judge me all you want but it wins games um the thing is it also allows them to redeploy their it get a it gives them a chance to drop something before you swing which like as the attacker as the player with the attack token there's a lot of times where you much prefer to have those burst cards or fast cards to play with your attack as opposed to play before you attack giving them a chance to drop a new another defender mm-hmm. right um, so that is one downside, of course, of it being slow. And the other thing is it, it does kind of immediately show you, wow, they are hard committing to winning this turn. They're dropping seven mana into this thing. Sure. I just got to get through. I just got to survive. You know what I mean? Um, and deploy their mana as such because you're likely not able to develop a whole lot after the attack because you just played the pack mentality, which is one of the things that when you are trying to push an advantage, your opponent is never never completely sure how much you're going to be able to develop after you make that attack. You know, they look at your mana and they look at the three cards in your hand. They say, wow, that could just be junk or it could be another five drop. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and you know, how I defend is difficult because I don't know what they're going to drop afterwards. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this does kind of take a lot of that, you know, hesitancy away from the opponent. They, you play it. It's a good effect. Uh, especially if you've got at least three creatures on the board, it is well worth the you know the price uh, of the spell. But it does take away a lot of the uh, doubt in the opponent. It gives them good information to try to play through that turn and survive that turn. So like there is that downside with it. Yeah. No, there's definitely downsides with it. I I honestly one of my biggest things is I like the artwork on it, so I want to give it a try. I think the artwork's <laughs> yeah. On back mentality. My, 
Yeah, my thing with this is that, like, I just think for a go-wide deck, I'd rather play back-to-back. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, honestly, burst and fast cards would be much, much better. If, if this was fast, it would be yeah. way better. Or might. I mean, I've been playing might in things, like one copy of might in a lot of Noxus decks, mm-hmm. just because overwhelm is great. Sure. And sometimes you just need Overwhelm to push through damage where your opponent doesn't see it coming. They're like, oh, I'm going to chomp off. Oh. Yep. Oh, you know. yeah. Might's a really strong card. Really strong card. So yep. let's let's blow through a couple of here real quick, okay? Because there's so many cards they changed. I'm going to I'm gonna hit the first one. The Poro Snack was a four-mana burst spell. Give Poros everywhere. Plus one, plus one. They moved it to three mana, giving a strict buff to Poros. But they were really clear this is because of Expedition. That Poros were awful in Expedition, and that archetype was terrible, and this will hopefully give them a buff in Expedition and a slight buff in Constructed. Obviously, Poros aren't that fantastic, period. And this card isn't going to make them amazing in Constructed. This is a Expedition-focused card, which isn't something that we talk about a terrible amount on here. So, I'm fine with this. I really don't have many thoughts about it, to be honest with you. It's just like, yeah... Um, I mean, buff Poros. Yeah, Poros. I mean, theoretically, Poros could be playable and constructed someday, and maybe this is good enough. But I mean, uh, it's probably not. Yeah, I don't want to be around for that day. Um, Troop of Elnux got a buff, which yeah, is real good. fast, oh, real fast. Sorry, you want to yeah. get back on the Poro snacks? Yeah, go back to the Poro thing right now. Um, can you guess? My least favorite thing about Hearthstone. Your least favorite thing about Hearthstone? Of all time. Hearthstone, this is the thing that I hated and and kept hating and uh, kept and, and it was a big factor towards me quitting the game, not going to lie. It was not the only reason. It's probably not the most important reason, but it made it really easy. Merfolk. Can you guess? Not Merfolk. Huh? Uh, the, the, the... The, the Murlocs. Murlocs, yep. Um, I despise Murlocs <laughs> like beyond comprehension. I mean, I would, I would just get angry. I mean, just really un, you know, it was just embarrassing how mad I'd get. I hated them. <laughs> the problem is I didn't understand why they kept pushing them so hard. If they weren't enjoyable, they were super linear play style. They weren't funny. They were, you know, these stupid gargly mouth pieces of crap that you know weren't fun were would oscillate between unplayable and broken you know and they kept printing them it didn't make sense i really don't want poros to go that way first off poros are gonna annoy me less because they're not gargling in my ear (laughs) every time they come down they're cute and not ugly but the bottom line is with a meme class like poros and murlocs they really shouldn't be should not be good yeah leave them n- never make them viable right leave them a meme let them yeah, leave let them, them rest in meme yeah let them uh, rest that's just my personal opinion right but i just i just don't want to be i just don't want to have a, another round of of murlocs i don't want to hate these poros they're too cute <laughs> please don't make me hate them please don't make us hate them yeah Sorry, I'm done. Okay, let's move on to Troop of Elnux. Troop of Elnux used to be um, summon. It's a five-mana 3-3, three, three, and you know it would play and summon all the Elnux from the top 10 cards of your deck. 
Now it's going to do that for the top six. It now reads play for the top six cards in your deck. Summon each Elnok and shuffle the rest into your deck. Um, that means it's shuffling the rest of the six cards, right? Is that is that what that means? Uh, yeah. Summon each Elnok. It already did that. It already did that, but they're just it clarifying. already did that. Yeah, there's this is just for clarification. Yeah. Okay, so they're just making it clearer. This is fine because what what because what would happen is that like um they would play someone would play troop of elnooks they would pull four elnooks and then the beginning of the next turn they draw an elnook and they and they'd rage on reddit saying what the hell this is a bug you know i i it should have been it was in my top 10 cards it should have been played out well it what it did is it shuffled the other cards it just didn't say that on the text now it says it so people post on reddit less Oh, okay. That makes In a lot theory. of sense. It actually probably won't stop people from posting on Reddit about other things, but they won't post about a bug that doesn't exist now. I, I just assumed that it was always shuffling the other cards into your deck. Yeah, you know, it's a fair assumption, but some people didn't think that through before posting, so, you know. Yeah, this just makes Elnix strictly less good, which they needed to have that happen to them. Yeah, Elnix were stupid. Yep, this is good. This is a good thing. They could have done it worse. I wouldn't have minded. This isn't like hey. an overly creative change, but I don't care if Elnooks get an overly creative change. So this is one that I wouldn't have minded if they hit it with a hammer and it never got played <laughs> again. I wouldn't have cared. Can I be that guy for a minute? Are you going to tell me that you wish they wouldn't have nerfed it? Uh, no. I'm going to be an elitist. If you play Elnooks, you're not a good player. Is that what you're going to say? No. Go ahead. I'm just going to be that guy who says... I never played Troop of Elnooks <laughs> once. Not one time. Not once. I've also never win traded. Ever. Ooh. I'm just I'm just sitting on my mountaintop. Uh, <laughs> pure and and untainted by the corruption of the legends of Runeterra. Never have I played a troop of Elnooks. <laughs> never have I traded wins. And now never will you. No, you have to and start I, playing it now because no shall. one's going to play Now I'll it. play Troop of Elnooks uh -huh. now that it's nerfed. That is very in character for me anyway. Yeah, I didn't play I didn't play Disciple of Namira and uh, uh, um, Shrine. Oh, do, yeah, I didn't play Doomcrag until after it got nerfed, and then I played the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah, you need to play this deck with the with the card that shuffles copies of a card into your deck and and just go all out on the Elnooks yeah. now, now that they're worse. Yeah, there we go. I'm in it. In it to win it with the Elnooks. Oh, you want to take us to this next one? <laughs> yes. Yes, I will. I'll get off my, my high horse here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just had, I, it didn't occur you. to me. It did not occur to me until that, until I like it got nerfed. I was like, that's right. I never played it. Navori Conspirator. Um, this was formerly a two mana, three, two elusive to play me recall an ally. It is now a two mana, two, two elusive to play recall an ally. So here's the thing. I railed on Elusive uh, last week. And, and I, I say railed. I want to be clear. Like, I, I didn't... I guess I did rail on Elusive. Well, well just a I, little bit. I mean, I'm not mad, I, you know, but... but I, I So I did have a bit of a discussion with one of the people on our Discord about it, and I just want to quickly, like, uh, just very fast rehash that. Um, and clarify what I said uh, and, and refine it because basically what it was is 
Hey guys, Future Mark here, just chiming in to let you know, at this point in the show, we looked for a while to find that discussion over Discord, and we struggled to find it. And then, once we did find it, we tried to make it seem seamless, so I could edit it out, but it didn't end up being quite so seamless. So, this is my seamless transition. Uh, back to the show. So, anyways, uh, I had this discussion, and I was with uh, one of the members of our Discord, super cool person uh and was you know confused a little bit about why i was frustrated and annoyed by elusives uh, kind of spelled out a lot of the counters uh to elusive uh for the, from the different factions um and so i i wanted to clarify and this is what i wrote um my problem with elusive is not that there isn't a way to play around it but rather that i think the best way to play around it is in deck building um and when you consider that in conjunction with the in-game lack of interactivity, I personally find that it isn't a contributing factor to the enjoyability of the game as a whole. So basically, I'm playing Legends of Ruterra. One day, Elusives gets removed, and that doesn't feel like a worse game. Mm. That's where, that's my opinion on it is that I don't think elusives are contributing to the strength of the game uh, because of those two things combined. So that, that's what I'm saying. However, just wanted to get that throw out there, you know, throw that out there because sure. it doesn't, you know, and, and, and the individual responded um, saying, well, like that makes sense because it doesn't matter how many ways you can counter it. Uh, that's supremely besides the point uh, because my opinion is just simply that I don't think it, I don't think it adds good things to the game i think if it wasn't i think if it wasn't there the game would be just as good and no worse mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's that's just my opinion um but navori conspirator i played again i've run into this several times since this nerf um and and it is much less impactful um the reality is you could you kill it just the same way you can kill it with a mystic shot you can you could still do that, but it doesn't do as much damage as fast. The recall can sometimes uh, be beneficial for some of the kind of summon effects that are in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can even top deck this and recall that jeweled protector, which can sometimes be very, very good play. Yeah, um, you know, if you top deck this in the mid to late game, um, and you know the cost isn't so high. But taking this down to a two minute two two means the elusive is extremely. If you're playing this, you really want the elusive tag because you you won't play this for another reason. The aggressively statted elusive is one thing, but the average stat distribution elusive um, does make this card a lot less appetizing. And, and I did notice uh, that reduced strength when I played against it uh, over oh, yeah. the last day or two. So I, I think this is just definitely a, a another nerf to elusive, which doesn't that indicate a problem when they're still nerfing more elusive cards. It, 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 they shouldn't have to do this to an entire mechanic. They've gutted like four or five different elusive cards or elusive package cards. At this point, it's clear that it's the mechanic that's at fault because they're removing card by card and they're still going through nerfs to them. Yeah. I mean, that that's my, that's I'm positing this theory. But anyways, we don't have to talk about that. We can move on if you, unless you have another thought on the Vori Conspirator. It was a pretty simple change. Yeah, I mean, I think it just puts you on less of a clock, and I'm okay with that. 
it trades way worse, which is a really good thing. I mean, one of the really positives about this card was the fact that it could trade up really well, um, and it oftentimes bounced something that you wanted to bounce. This was like the staple card in these elusive decks for the early game, and uh, mm -hmm. it can't do nearly as much of that stuff anymore, which I think is good. I don't, I don't dislike elusives in in the same exact way that you do. Um, I don't play them because I, I don't necessarily enjoy them, um, but uh, I, you know. I, I, I understand why certain people do. Um, at the same time, like, I think that the place that they need to be is like, yep, you can play them, but they're going to be understated and you're going to lose every race against an aggro deck. And <laughs> yeah. it, it, there's a certain point in which that just wasn't the case for elusives. This is another step in that direction that's saying, yep, you may still be able to play elusives and win against some mid-range strategies, um, because you can burn them out towards the middle of the game before they can kill you. Um, but you're never going to beat an aggro deck because you're just not going to be able to trade well enough into them. And they're going to be able to go faster than you because your minions are understated because they're not able to be blocked. Honestly, I disliked elusives a lot more before I started playing Heimerdinger. And now I like dislike them a lot less because Heimerdinger is real good against them. Um, well, so, so the dislike for you was was the win rate against them the dislike for me was that i was playing ash decks and i couldn't stop them and i didn't like not being able to interact with them in any way um so basically what you didn't like is that it it creates non-games where mm -hmm. you have exceptionally you know linear matchups where either it's it's favored and you usually win or it's disfavored and you usually lose i disliked elusives because i feel like elusives in their rightful place should be a deck that plays unblockable creatures that are poorly statted and i didn't like the fact that they were able to play unblockable creatures that were strongly statted i thought that they were too good at too many things I did not like how fast they were. I want to see them have to use more combat tricks and be more creative and have to choose on blocks to take in order to not lose the game. Whereas elusive decks often just never had to block because they could just burn you out too fast. Um, so I don't yeah. know. You know, what you're talking about is a different mechanic because <laughs> it'll either not be played because what you're talking about uh that play style would be better in three different other deck archetypes or deck game plans. Uh, and either we're going to see the unblockable trait be broken or nerfed to the point where it's not good. And yeah, I just I think I that mean, it's a problem. I think it's mechan It's just, I think it's okay. I, I said I wasn't going to get into it. I've made my case already. Okay. Okay. I got to move on. Okay, we're moving on. Chump Womp. Yes. This is a four mana, four, three, yes. one summon, put two mushroom clouds in hand. This is now a four mana, four, three. Um, fine. I understand why they did this. Oftentimes, the games that I won with my Ezreal decks were games when I got Chump Womp on the board because it gave me a blocker, yeah, this, a bit of an aggressor, it and it gave me uh, mushrooms to use. It did surprise me that we saw a four mana, four, four with such a strong ability. Uh, like in the base set, I was kind of like, "Wow!" I mean, I think they maybe they didn't expect mushroom clouds to combo with like Heimerdinger and Ezreal. I don't know why they wouldn't though. Like clearly, it combos with with Ezreal, Ezreal and Heimerdinger. 
Like, I don't, I don't see why that would be in locks a, even. Yeah. Like, I just don't see why that would be confusing. So I, I don't, I was surprised to see this card be so cost effective. I mean, that's truly a lot of value for the, for the, for four mana. So I think this is a good change. Mm-hmm. Gets killed by, get excited, gets killed by black spear. Uh, yeah, that's just, that's a good change. Yeah. You want to talk us through, but still, oh. but still very good for those decks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still usable for those decks. It just means that you can't block quite as many things, which I think is a perfectly good. That's perfectly reasonable. Like I said, often the decks that I, games that I won with my Ezreal decks were games when I got these on the board. Yeah, they yeah. gave me stuff that I could rummage away or combo cards for my Ezreal. They gave me a blocker and the ability often to push four points of damage, which is yeah. what I needed to tick away at my opponent. You want to get a walk us through this flash of brilliance change? Yeah, for, uh, Flash of Brilliance was really kind of came onto my radar when I was screwing around with uh, the Dinger, um Pursuit of Perfection build. Yes. And Flash of Brilliance was just, I mean, it's basically free. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically free. And it would create these occasional loops of being able to play three cards or so on the same turn with a ridiculous amount of mana where like, Oh look, I created, I played this card effectively for free, create another spell that's mostly free and just can kind of just do a little too much for something with like Heimerdinger uh, where the number of cards spells that you play basically translates to a board advantage. Yes. Um, And so this now only putting in a six plus card kind of stops you from playing so many spells all on one turn and of course reduces the rng to the level where you can kind of start hedging your bets about you know well there's only x number of six plus spells in the game it can only be one of these so many things um but it also does kind of guarantee you uh a spell of cost six or higher for some of the packages uh, for the Mage Seeker packages that we're going to talk about in a bit, as well as for Lux, who needs to play a 6-plus card. Uh, so I think that this is still a good card, but certainly reduced in power for the decks that it was doing the most for. Um, but potentially kind of filling new new roles now. I, I, yeah, that's yeah, kind of where I land It's cool. On. It opens up a couple of new doors, and it makes it so that you can't flash of brilliance, flash of brilliance, and something else that you got off of flash of brilliance, and get three yeah. three ones with elusive. Um, yeah. that's And that's fine. I mean, here's the thing. Like, this thing being at three is very, very strong, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's part of it, specifically in Heimerdinger decks, because if it was at two, it actually wouldn't be as strong. If it was two, get a random spell, get two spell mana, wouldn't be that strong. If it was four and get three and spell first. mana, wouldn't be that strong because it creates different um, little turrets. Um, but the fact that it makes the three ones with elusive makes it really strong. And I have loved this card and I don't think I'm going to like it any less. I'm okay. Sometimes when you would play this and you would get a one cost spell that really was dead in your hand, you'd be really bummed out. If you're going to get a cool six cost spell every time you play this, then you're not nearly as bummed out in the end game. If you draw it and, oh, okay, I'm going to upgrade this to a better card. That's cool. Yeah, I, I will say with all of those Heimerdinger turrets, there's a certain advantage towards the increased consistency of pulling for Demacia and pack mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think it's this isn't so much a nerf as it is just tweaking what it does, and I'm okay with the tweak. Yeah, I, I'm good with it too. I, I think it's a good one. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's not a bad card. It's just a different card. Yep. So the next one that we had was Rummage. The old Rummage was to to play discard two, draw two. It's now to play discard two, draw two. But if you have exactly one other card in hand, you can discard that and draw one instead. So this is just giving it uh, Rummage a little bit more versatility. I'm not 100% sure it needed it, but um, now if you have this and one other card in hand, you can ditch that card to draw a card for one. Yeah, and I did see somebody play it for that ability when they were running loan cards. I think what it's saying is that it wants to be... It's intended clearly to synergize with the discard packages, um, but it does run into issues with the Jinx. Um, and so, you know, with with uh, with level two Jinx and the way that it kind of reads when it comes to, you know, your hand being, okay, at the start of the round, draw a card, but then when you empty your hand, you get a rock. Like, it just kind of... This gives you more flexibility, and um, yeah, it, yeah, this is fine. This mm-hmm. is good. It's just, it's just a better card. And, and honestly, like it wasn't a bad card before, but it was very niche. And so, hopefully, the increased flexibility at it doing what it already wants to do will make people be a little bit more experimental. I'm still waiting to see a hand, a discard uh, strategy really crop up and be potent because I do think there's some really fascinating cards in that strategy uh the unstable is it is it the unstable volition? or something no voltition that's the one that we're gonna do next but yes. um yeah there's a there's a card uh that i think is particularly interesting the one the six drop uh yeah, that deal discards three, discard your hand. and draw three that's just really strong oh yes but, you know and so i'm just waiting for that to just be very dominant because i think that's a really strong card I think so, too. It's a really fun card, too. The yeah. Unstable Voltition is the one we're going to look at next, though. Yeah, let's skip this one. Oh, okay, we're yeah, because it, it. it goes into it. So I'm, you, yeah. Brute Awakening, then? Yeah, Brute Awakening. Cost from six down to five. It's the same card. Five mana, slow, summon three spiderlings, grant spider allies, plus one attack. I've played almost no spiders, but I will say, uh, with the other nerfs to Shadow Isles, I do like that they're taking this uh synergistic uh card and buffing it uh to try to increase the potency and increase the options uh for spider focused decks this you know this is a still a pretty strong card uh i even at six i never felt like the card was bad um you know it just got edged out by other things so now the card's even better i mean you're basically getting oh what is it uh six three stats four five right but then with the mm-hmm. upside of uh it those stats being spread around and so it can hit can other spiders that are already on the board exactly uh so it's got upside in terms of stats and i just yeah i think this is a little bit stronger or quite a bit stronger actually now that it's priced down um but also more enticing to play yep i like all those things you said i don't really have anything to add just Mark got, of the Isles. It's one cheaper. It got better. Mark of the Isles just got worse. Um, before it was a one mana burst that read uh, give an ally plus plus three plus three and ephemeral. Now it's given ally plus two plus two and ephemeral. 
makes a lot of sense. Um, it was really yep. strong before. It was a great burst. It finished games really easy for some of these ephemeral decks. You drop this on someone that already had ephemeral, or you drop this on someone and then you death marked that thing. So now you just got a one mana plus three plus three, and you killed your opponent's creature with death mark because you made them ephemeral. Was one of my yeah. least favorite things to have happen to me. Um, this still allows all of those I love things. Death mark. It allows, it's seeing a lot of play right now. Um, this allows all of those things to happen still, um, but uh, does not make it quite as swingy and it's not quite as bursty. It's never fun to count. It's it's more fun to count around and say, well, if my opponent has two of these things in hand, I need to make sure he doesn't kill me within four versus within six. Um, I think just took the power level down a bit. I think that was good. I mean, it's not a super creative change to this card, but this card didn't need a super creative change. I think this card is creative enough as it is, and it's a cool card, and I'm glad that they made it a little less powerful because it was a bit overtuned. Yeah, I remember the Hearthstone one that was plus four, plus four? Hmm. The Warlock spell. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unstable power. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, similar to that. Yeah. Similar to that. I don't know why they decided to source Hearthstone for good ideas, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark of the Isles nerfed still playable mm -hmm. in my opinion uh rekindler i haven't played this at all i actually haven't even had it played against me so since it came out since it went to seven no ever e ever no one has ever played this card against me That's i think it's been i think i've played against i think I'd, i've played against rekindler decks but it didn't get played on me that's almost so, unbelievable i've played against this card too many times yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I just, I'm aware that it, people were getting frustrated about it. And I was like, cool, I believe you, but nobody's played it on me yet. Still haven't. Yeah. Well, it moved from six cost to seven cost. It's a seven mana four, four that when he summoned revives the strongest uh, dead allied champion. Um, I mean, I guess it just gets worse because it costs one more. It still get it still gets played the turn after Hecarim, which is the card it's played with the most. Yeah, so it's still good. Yeah, still, still, still gonna see play. Still good. I mean, it's just it's it's just worse. It's just worse, but it's yeah. I it's not enough worse that it's not gonna be played. It's still insanely powerful to resummon a Hecarim, or a leveled yeah. up Trindamir, or an Ash, or an Anivia, or. You know, Are any people of those playing guys. Anivia? I that's another one I haven't run into. Yeah. And I have Anivia. Yes, this, it seems very underwhelming to me. Um, Anivia Karma is pretty good. Anivia Karma. Oh, maybe I'll try that. Anivia Karma is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we wear out here, we have four cards that also got changed and reworked that involve the Mage Seekers uh, set that um, that you've been toying around with. So do you want to tell us a little bit about, I mean, some of these got massively changed. Um, right. Really changed. Yeah. So, okay. So what we've got here is this Mage Seeker package, and I don't even remember what they were before, not going to lie. Uh well, you can but what it. I've got oh did, is it on the thing what they were before yeah uh-huh oh I did okay well now I'm gonna have to go and look at what they were before uh, I knew what the voltition was before okay so we've got uh one two three and then the voltition so mage seeker insider 
Uh, oh, they they were wanting you to discard uh, discard a spell. All sorts of different yeah. things. Like, oh, yeah. they're all similar now. Yeah, they're all the same, and they don't force you to discard cards, which is pretty good because discarding good things is dumb. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it was intended to pair with the discard packages out of Piltover and Zon, but I mean, obviously, they, it wasn't good enough. So the Mage Seeker Insider is a great example of this. Uh, previously, it was a one... Uh, three, or you know, one four. Excuse mm-hmm. me, at four mana, where you would discard a spell and give it a power equal to its cost. So okay, it was possible to discard, let's say a um, a progress day, right, and get it up to a four mana, uh, nine three. four nine four, yeah, uh, nine yeah nine four. But the problem, of course, then is simply you just discarded progress day. <laughs> um, sure. It's like you went from having three bonus cards cheaper to having minus one card. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so now what it does is, and I really like this. I really like this. Uh, and all of these work the same. Basically, as soon as you have ca- uh, cast a six-cost spell, wherever this card is, it gets this bonus. Whether it's already on the field uh, or in your hand, it basically gets a new ability, which is uh, grant me plus two, plus two. Once you have cast a six cost spell this game, that's the Mage Seeker Insider. So once you've cast a six cost spell, you drop this as a four mana six five. That's value, folks. Yes. Um, and we see the same style of change for the other two here. The Mage Seeker Investigator, very strong now. Previously, if you cast a spell this round, remove all text and keywords from an enemy follower, basically a purify. Uh, but uh, once you cast a spell, now I, my argument is this card actually wasn't wasn't that bad. I guess people just weren't playing it. But I was even looking at playing it in a couple decks right before the change, and then I was like, well, okay, now it's different. Uh, but so what it does now is once you've cast a six cost spell, create a detain uh, in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we all know, detain very strong uh, removal spell. Yep, very um, good. And then we have Mage Seeker Persuader. Now this one's probably the weakest of them, but still not bad uh, because it does a really good job countering a couple archetypes. What it does now, it was a six cost. Now it is a two cost. Drop that it by was four. A, yeah, it was a four one. Now it's a three two. Previously, you would get health equal to the cost of a spell you discard. Basically the opposite of the Insider. Uh-huh. Uh, but now uh, it gets plus one, plus one and Challenger. So that means it's a two mana four three challenger once you've cost a six cost spell. Uh, the last thing here is the Voltician, which is over in Piltover and Zon. Uh, previously, uh, it did the same thing, uh, but now it is basically reworked to match the other one. So if you've cast a six cost spell this game, it gets plus four and quick attack. So I built a deck utilizing these cards with the basic idea of i'm going to pass turn one and turn two every single game yep get that and then i'm gonna play get that three spell mana and then i'm gonna drop either unlicensed innovation or remembrance um and be able to get a overstatted well, not for the cost, but uh, for the time of the game. Because that's the thing we have to remember. Like, dropping a 5-5 five, five for 6 is undervalued for the cost. Uh, but if you drop it on turn 3, it's over cost, or it's overstatted for the timing of the game. Yes. 
Um, and so we have Remembrance and Unlicensed Innovation. Either of them will do. You will always look for one of them in your opening hand and keep one of them. I think that my gut tells me Unlicensed Innovation is the better one to keep, but Remembrance is better later because, of course, Remembrance can be discounted. It also has the shot of getting you the one that can give you Tough and Lifesteal if you can manage to hold on to it until something has died. The Radiant Guardian. That's the one. Um, yes, and actually, Radiant as Guardian of right now, very strong. As of right now, it can only pull Radiant Guardian, Vanguard Cavalry, uh, and the Swift Wing Lancer. So there's only three things it can pull. Yeah, and they're all pretty strong. Uh, and, and yeah, they're all at least uh, five attack. One of them has only four defense, but is challengers. They're all very, very good. The Vanguard Cavalry would make Remembrance strictly better than unlicensed innovation at the cost radiant guardian is the same so generally speaking my gut tells me on on turn three you want the unlicensed innovation uh but whatever it doesn't matter so that's what you you aim for and then you basically get to curve out ridiculously overstated creatures for the rest of the game you get to drop the mage seeker insider on four you get to drop the unstable voltician on five uh and then as you go of course you've got the ability to drop more remembrances innovations just for the stats later on when man is not as important i'm also running lux as my champion of course uh who once you've cast six mana of spells which you you totally have multiple of them i've also got two back-to-backs and two true shot barrages mm. um to help out kind of uh, and this is a very mid-range deck it, it's a proactive mid-range list um and it does have a couple reactive cards in here for example i've got some purifies i have one thermogenic beam which theoretically could do the trick on turn uh turn three for you if you play it for all six mana um but then i'm also running single combat as ways to uh remove things uh we've got vanguard sergeants in here to create four demacia which is go figure a six cost spell yep uh, and then, of course, all those Mage Seekers. And those Mage Seekers, especially the Mage Seeker Investigator, I have found have to be absolutely incredible. Now, because I'm taking this as a mid-range approach and going closer towards uh, the ability to, to race uh, a control deck, a control opponent, I've put two Jinx in here. Um, and I don't think I would necessarily keep Jinx over... Um, What's the one that duels? Fiora. Fiora. I think I would play Mm -hmm. Fiora instead of Jinx, uh, but I don't have Fiora. But Jinx is still very, very good because of the quick attack um, and can be a nice little alternative to tempo out on four just because it it can stick around. tends to draw a lot of enemy fire as well, so uh, not bad. Of course, we got Radiant Guardians in here to get some extra lifesteal. You can also pull them, of course, a 33% chance of pulling them off of your remembrance already, but I liked having the lifesteal. So I've got more in here. Uh, the, uh, augmented experimenter. That's the one we were thinking of that discards your hand and draws three. I put one copy in just to see how it does. I found that my hand never really ran out because I was playing such expensive stuff. I was usually at most playing two cards per turn. So the, uh, augmented experimenter ended up getting cut, um, and I, I haven't really found what I want to put in yet. I think the thermogenic beam could also be cut. Now, I've seen lists that want to use Heimerdinger, and I just, for this mid range list, this is just all about that creature combat, getting over static creatures, helping them survive. Uh, and so I think there, there's some, I think we could probably go for a couple more cheap cards that protect. So something like 
maybe on guard to give challenger because I have found uh, that the um, where is it the mage seeker persuader is particularly potent against elusive. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you could go with an on guard. You also could go grab mystic shots. Mystic shots are very flexible, good removal. Yeah. Um, and because they're cheap, you can kind of pair them. Oh, look, it's turn five. You know, let me get this Vanguard Sergeant down or this Mage Seeker Investigator and then Mystic Shot something. So uh, you've got those as options as well. Um, yeah, honestly, because of the redundancy between Remembrance and Unlicensed Innovation, you have a very strong chance at getting one of them by turn three. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly, I was pretty impressed by this. Now, the Noxus Aggro, Blitzy Aggro with Piltover and on this deck's going to struggle if you don't get... Uh, some mystic shots in there uh, or some sort of other early game tech options because your creatures that you would normally against uh, you would normally play on two and three, your two and three drops. You usually want to wait to get that max value after you played remembrance or unlicensed innovation, but passing till turn three is kind of hard to justify um, <laughs> uh, when you're getting, you know, damage pushed down your throat by noxus so just fair warning that did seem to be a weakness i'm not saying this is ladder ready but i did take it on the ladder and i think i went like four and one with it Hmm. uh so it it did it did put in work i ran into two elusives crushed them um and uh, i do think I, i would make those mystic shot changes but um Besides that, and True Shot Barrage is actually a pretty good card. I've been really enjoying that. I, I started playing it in, in you know, Heimerdinger decks, but I, I just think it's good overall. And with the idea of it also being able to trigger um, Lux, uh, yeah, pretty strong. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking at, there are some other copies, of course, uh, some other sort of ideas around this, which you could have expected there to be. Um, Lux Heimerdinger in a bit more of a control that's going to run the same unlicensed innovation, Remembrance, uh, it's going to run Succession, a lot of cards that are going to summon creatures to the board so that you still have a board-centric deck without having to run as many creatures. Um, so there are, there's some other, there's some decks out there um, that are being toyed around with with these. This isn't one that I've messed around with yet, but it's definitely something that I'm interested in taking a look at and maybe digging into a little bit because I think that the the concept around it is pretty cool. Um, I like the concepts around it, and I like the changes that they made. And I, my biggest thing is this, is that I like that they were not afraid to go in and say, listen, this whole set of cards that we wanted to do a specific thing just doesn't work, and so we're going to change it up and we're going to make it do this kind of new thing and it's going to be a similar theme it's integrating you know some stuff around spells but it's going to do something a little bit different and um and we think this will work better it's a little bit more straightforward it's a little bit less confusing and if you're the type of person who wants to play a battle mage style deck here's your battle mage style deck and uh, i think that's cool so i'm um, and not battle mage in terms of the tessel game the tessel class and battle mage but just like spells and warriors battle mage you know yeah and and i will i will say like i think there's also the potential for it to blend with an elites deck i think there's uh because you're you know you're already putting in those vanguard sergeants i think you could go in that direction because there's also that uh i think it's an eight cost spell that uh drops two elites on the board and then buffs all your elites like i think there's 
flexibility here. I mean, I'm running it with uh, because I'm running the unlicensed innovation, but I think you could also blend this with a Shadow Isles deck and play one of those six. That's what's that six cost spell in Shadow Isles uh, with spiders? Or oh no, it just got reduced. That's yeah, right. You can't that play just that got anymore. Reduced to five. Um, nerf the yeah, but... seeker decks. Nerf. Yeah. Clear nerve to the mage seeker. Oh, the mage seeker's got nerve. Well, there's also reckoning and Noxus. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, it's clearly intended. Clearly, it's intended. I mean, you could play it with Frailyord. You could play it with Frailyord and Ash and run uh, Harsh Winds. Yeah. Frailyord and Um, Ash and play Harsh Winds. And then you could just, you know, hold off their game plan by, by frostbiting stuff and then power through them. Yep. Yeah, you could yeah, like Ash Lux, Winter's Breath. Ooh, Ash yeah, could Lux. be neat. Super yeah, cool, neat. properly clothed chick deck. That's what I would call it. Super cool, properly clothed chick deck. Yeah, there we go. That I'm there in for. I'm in for that. Looking at you, Katarina. Yeah, Katarina. Yeah. I, I've never gotten Katarina to go off. Everybody just kills her. She just gets mystic shot. <laughs> I took just, her. I took her boom, out of all my decks. Boom, dead. Boom, dead. Yeah. Exactly. I actually, I actually really like her. Um, yes. Okay, that's cool. So listen, now I have all these decks. I gotta try this Mage Seeker Lux Ash deck. I gotta make some Callistas and try <laughs> out some of these Callista decks. I got some work to do. I'm gonna be up all night playing some of these new some of these new cards. Um, oh my gosh, I have I have the Luxes. And the uh, and the ashes, <laughs> so that's gonna be it. I'm, I'm making mage seekers tonight, tonight. Uh, you can, you should, you should give out, uh, give the one I I just sent you the code. You should give it a try to kind of get a vibe for how it wants to play with those mage seeker uh, creatures. Yeah, because uh, they they do. It, the thing about it is, there it's just a they just want to trade. They want to stay on the board and they want to trade uh, because they just they're so mana efficient after Beefy. you get that card down right mm-hmm. um and so the, the problem i foresee with the ash build is simply you don't have that redundancy of a six mana spell that summons a creature like you do with remembrance yeah. and the innovation um so you're really banking on uh either you know triggering that six mana spell later in the game like not always triggering on turn three which is fine but then you're playing you're going to be wanting to play creatures in the early game uh, or other spells to slow them down. So it's just going to be something that I think will be a slower pace than the one I've got built. But I will say, like, th- that list is a lot of fun and just plays different than some other things, which I think is ultimately the goal. Like, if they're going to make all these, like, reworks and changes to the themes, you want them to feel different than what's already out there. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I, can, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Um, Wow. So that's all the changes that they made. And it's a lot yeah they also did mention there's a couple things on their watch list um they have glimpse beyond on their watch list which at this point i'm willing to walk back my initial frustration with it um i i I don't have issues with glimpse beyond anymore none at all no 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 i'm gonna say no I think I think my real issue was Black Spear. I mean, more than anything, and I, I said that I despised Black Spear, and I've been saying that. I think Vile Feast is also a little bit of a problem. But the thing with Glimpse Beyond is that, like, I think it's okay that Shadow Isles has good good card draw that synergizes. I I think we I think 
now that we're seeing because at the time when i originally had a lot of issues with glimpse beyond we weren't seeing control decks kind of play we didn't have that that uh background for oh progress day is actually playable go figure you know what i mean nobody had made progress day playable because that because they they needed to slow down aggro for it to be to be playable right um and so after they slow down aggro without touching glimpse beyond now i kind of feel like glimpse beyond is something that gives you know those shadow isles decks a little bit of a little bit more of a chance of not getting controlled out and also it triggers this so i don't have as much problems with glimpse beyond anymore uh, now that now that it's <laughs> just being a hipster all over the place today, but now that it's on their watch list, it's off mine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're uh, looking at it. You're like, I don't care about it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I think Shadow Assassin is in- an interesting one. I I don't know how you would change Shadow Assassin at all. So they have that on the watch list, and then they have Elise and Frenzied Skitterer. I don't think Elise should be on the watch list. I do think Frenzied Skitterer should be. Um, Frenzied Skitter is really strong. I think Elise is perfectly fine where she is. I really like Elise. I really do. I really I think like Elise. Elise. Is, I think Elise is in a perfect spot. Strong, but requires synergy. You know, uh, very potent once she gets leveled up, but very vulnerable before she becomes a giant spider or more of a giant spider. Mm-hmm. I guess she becomes a, completely a giant spider instead of only a, a centaur spider. And if they swap Anyways. her to being a three-two with fearsome, I think she just dies too easy. Yeah, yeah, no, I think she's she's fine. Mm-hmm. Elise is fine, in my opinion. Frenzied Skitter uh, is extremely potent, so uh, we'll see. Uh, but I, I, so they've got those on the watch list, those four cards, um, and then they of course did some general changes to uh, making things go faster, yeah, which is good. They changed some expedition stuff, which man, we really need to get. Uh, like an expedition expert to come in and, and talk to us about expedition. I don't play it. I, I didn't really play much draft in Tessel except when I was streaming. And even then I didn't, I had like 40 tickets I never got through. So I didn't play much then either on the compared to other people, but um, they also fixed a couple bugs and that's about it. I don't think they had any more, um, uh, you know, was it uh, uh, cosmetics or anything this, this go round, but uh, no, I, but I, we are going to see more when the game formally releases. I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm I'm I think I'll probably buy one at that point. Yeah, yeah. I want to support, support them. Yeah, I want to support yeah. them. I I like what they've. I mean, I love the game. I love the game. Yeah, uh, we got ahead of so our next big <laughs> subject. As long as we don't have a patch, like next episode, I really want to dig into some of the economics of the game in terms of like what I will and will not spend money on, and do I like the nature of the game do i think it's do we think it's too free to play do we think it's not free to play enough um i i want to get into that but that's not for today because yeah no no definitely not but that'd be something interesting to 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 kind of break down and you know that's something i would be more interested in letting you lead the discussion and me just kind of react because i haven't put a whole lot of thought into it you know to be honest i i don't get my weekly vaults leveled up all the way oh most of the time i I have i've gotten them leveled up most of the way once or twice but like these days i, I kind of have most of the stuff i want i've dropped a little bit of money into it not a lot but some 
Uh, and so I'm just happy with what I've got. I mean, it's there, there's decks that I don't have everything for, like Ash. Like, I don't have any Ashes, but it's like, well, someone else can play Ash. I've got enough here <laughs> that I still haven't messed with. Yeah, I mean, I have a ton you know? of stuff that I haven't even touched. So Right, right. ton so, of yeah. stuff. Well, um, I don't know. What do you say? How about I give a – well, I want to I give a shout-out first off because in addition to having a, a couple of people who reviewed our podcast – on iTunes, we had a new patron, which is awesome. Oh, yes. We lost basically all of them. It's funny. So we delayed the payment on the Patreon for a couple of months when we transitioned from Tesla to something else. And I notified everybody about that. And then everybody got hit with the March payment for Patreon. And everyone's like, ah, oh, crap, I forgot to cancel that. And so everybody canceled. Um, so, well, not everybody. Which is totally fine. Yeah, yo, that's perfectly, I, I wish I would have had a better way to notify people. Um, it's perfectly okay. But we do have a new patron, um, Matthew Z, but he goes by Royal Shine in our Discord and also uh, on on Twitch, I know that. Um, so Royal Shine, thank you so much. A ten dollar yes. pledge, monthly pledge oh, to the show. Wow, Woo. good stuff. Thank yes. you, thank you. You're the man. You're the man. Yeah, Royal, Royal Shine, because I know you're listening. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show. We want you, uh, if if you want. Uh, you should uh, shoot us an email with any questions or anything you want us to cover on an episode, or if you just have a shout out for the community, anything you want to you know, say about Runeterra, you know, you're a patron, you're our, our, our buddy, make sure you send that in, um, send us an email, or I guess you can just send us a PM and discord, but I, you know, uh, and we'll make sure we, we get your message out there, bud. Yes. Yes. So thank you so much. That's awesome. We really appreciate the support. And if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash legendscast. And I need to update the profile picture for it. Um, and you can come <laughs> over and uh, and be a supporter of the show. We are going to do some patron-oriented things. Eventually, we want to come up with like four or five questions that we ask to every single guest that we do off-air and we record and um, is only accessible through an RSS feed that is exclusive to our patrons um, over our Patreon page. Um, also, if we ever do a tournament, which we'd like to do in the is that future. Like, is that like an after dark, you know? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, Legends cast after dark. Yeah, it's certainly like a little, just little things that you get access to that not everybody else gets access Legends to. Legends cast extra snark. Because we don't want to be you like know? a pay to like get access to our content in any way. But if people are finding value in what we're doing and they're giving us value, I have no problem, you know, offering them a little bit extra just to say thank you. So there's that. There's that. Yeah. Um, you know, we could give a hat away for everyone who everyone like we could do a drawing amongst all of our patrons this month too. Ooh, a patron drawing. We should do that this month. Or well no, we should just do that when we get the hats. <laughs> we won't do that whenever we get the hats. We'll whenever, do that when the hats are here. We don't want to convince you to give us money until we have the hats. Uh yeah, don't 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 give us money. Well <laughs> give us money, but don't for the hat. Yeah, don't 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 do it for any don't only do it if you're enjoying it and and you want to give back because really we you know, we also like if you just want to listen and you don't want to give money, I also won't care either because I'm just tickled that somebody gives a crap about what I have to say. Yeah, we maybe just, maybe we they love should. Our community. Whoa. Maybe they're getting worse <laughs> at this game by listening to this podcast. <laughs> oh. There's a thought. 
DBN oh. won't shut up about Yasuo, and now look at my win rate. <laughs> and I keep playing Yasuo. Uh, <laughs> well, I tell you what, I have a closing thought for today. I know what lurks in the shadows. Okay, Just I, got one. A, I got a closing thought. Here's, And I have a whole bunch, but here's my closing thought. Listen, the world is crazy as of March. It's almost midnight, so it's almost March 19th of 2020, right? It's a bit crazy out there. People are buying up all the toilet paper. People are buying <laughs> up all the beef. You cannot possibly buy hand sanitizer like in the entire country right now, right? Things are getting a little crazy. My state just shut down everything that's a non-essential business. Like kids ain't in school. All this stuff is going on. There is a, oh man, now I have to remember what my closing thought was. Uh oh everything's man. awful. Well, no. Is that your closing thought? <laughs> no. Everything oh, is oh, awful. No, no, no. Here's what it is, right? Okay. <laughs> Everything is terrible when you're quarantined. Um, so, no. So, there you go. So you like it. More banter. Um, Bonus banter. So, here's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm kind of quarantined right now, right? Like, I can't do a lot of the things that I love. I, I have all kinds of stuff that I was really looking forward to that are canceled, okay? But at the same time, listen, I've been in Haiti and walked the slums in the city where I was with people. I've stood in brothels where women were turning tricks while their children were sleeping in rooms connected to it. I've walked through the streets of Kampala in Uganda and seen children begging to stay alive. Um, I, and I'm not saying all of that to be like, I'm high and mighty. I'm just saying that a lot of the things that we are complaining about when it comes to keeping other people safe from this sickness in many ways are first world problems. And we're dealing with having to give up some first world luxuries that most of the rest of the world absolutely knows nothing about. They've never experienced, they don't have them. It, you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. For months, there is a Caribbean island that I've gone to that I cannot say the name of on the internet um, that they have not been able to get toilet paper in their country for nine months. Nine months. There has been none in the entire country. And, you know, most of us have like a handful of rolls sitting downstairs, but we know we can't go to the supermarket and buy 40 rolls today. So we're worked up about it. I'm not saying that anybody's wrong by being precautious. I'm not saying that anybody's wrong by being nervous in any way. I'm just saying that it is always really, really good to have perspective and realize that many of the things that we are having to sacrifice in order to help protect ourselves, our loved ones, and other people's loved ones are sacrificing some first world things for a brief amount of time that in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, we're going to just be able to go back to and regain. Whereas there are other parts of the world that people not only have never had those, but in a couple of months, they're certainly not going to regain them. And so I think that sometimes knowing what the rest of the world is like um, helps you gain a little bit of perspective about what it's okay to give up and walk away from. And so I just want to encourage you. I know that this is probably a stressful time. People are freaking out. Um, I've said this on the show and I haven't in the past couple of weeks. Um, 
I, I am genuinely here to support people. I mean, I, I just streamed for an hour to my church on Facebook before we did this just to talk to people, to, to hang out with folks, to encourage people and to pray for people. Like if you need someone to connect with because you're going stir crazy or because you're terrified or because you're so anxious that you can't sleep and you just need someone to talk to or you need someone that you can message, would you just please reach out to me or reach out to Ian as well? Like I, I know that um, Ian would have no problem just listening or responding to you if you shoot us some messages like there is so much power in community and when you are detached from your community physically and you only have virtual community to connect with it's important that you take the time to connect to them so in the next couple of weeks if you're stuck in your house and you're going a little stir crazy you're going a little nuts and you're not sure what to do just know i am too um and the world isn't coming to an end and we can do this together so i know the world's a scary place right now this is a long closing thought but it's really heavy on my heart. Like reach out and get help, find someone to connect with. And if you want to, that person can be us. So yeah, um, we're so thankful that you're listening to the show. We're so thankful that you made it to the end of this episode. I mean, you've been listening for an hour and 55 minutes. Thank you for doing that. Um, and if you need it and you want it, allow us to be more than just a podcast in your life especially during this particular season so oh yeah um yeah okay that's my closing thought i'll i'll i'll, I'll be quiet i could preach two sermons about it <laughs> now uh the only thing i would add is saying hey you got extra time at home um it's awful tempting to just play video games and watch tv and i tell you what i'm doing a lot of that but i will say uh, this is also a great opportunity to learn a new skill or yeah. keep up, brush up with old skills. Um, you know, I, I wrote a haiku today. I used to really like writing haikus every once in a while. Uh, and you know, I liked, I just enjoy, I enjoy the format and I enjoy the tradition behind it. And so I, I just sat down and kind of read a couple and then wrote one myself. And, you know, it was really satisfying. Nice. So I guess I'd just encourage you guys not to say it, it probably isn't a very – I'm not a published poet. I'm not particularly good at it. But I, t I will tell you, it is really cool to kind of, you know, do that thing where, okay, I'm at home, you know, and it's more than just blowing off steam. You can spend that time and, and strengthen yourself uh, as a human and – Go pick up your instrument that you haven't had time to pick up in a while or, you know, brush up on that coding language. Yeah. Or whatever. Take time you know, to just love it on your kids or your spouse. Yeah. 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 There's just a lot you can do um, that is going to be an investment and that investment can be awful hard to 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 put time into with the world at, as it normally is where you're out and about and doing stuff and running around. But, you know, with that extra time at home it's just a great opportunity and uh, you don't have to do it, but it is a great opportunity um, to just improve yourself and uh, try to have an extra skill on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, consider this. What if instead of coming out of the next couple of weeks to months, um, you don't come out a more depressed or fragile person, but what if you came out a more physically, emotionally and spiritually healthy individual? Cause you took this time and you just, instead of, instead of just burning all your time on Netflix, 
binging stuff and feeling sorry for yourself you just got healthy you started reading something you started participating in something you start working out like you promised you were going to you got the time to do it come out the other side of these next couple of weeks a more powerful responsible and healthy individual yeah that's awesome and, and a higher rank in legends yes and a higher <laughs> rank that's what we're talking about trying to get that platinum <laughs> there you go get it guys oh uh, yes okay well i think that about does it what do you think i am done rattling my mouth but uh i'm honored that you all were here to listen to it yeah thanks for hanging out with us i'm done talking to email us at eslegendscast at gmail.com leave us a rating and review on itunes and if it's high enough and we like it enough we'll even read it and put you in a drawing for a hat um if oh. you want to uh, that's going to do it for this episode of legends cast thanks for tuning in and make sure to come back next week Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you want to become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com legendscast or leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts.